0: school is in session. This is Recruiting Daily's Sourcing School podcast. We're recording from HR Tech in Vegas, thanks to our friends and partners at GEM. Sharpen your pencils and get your sourcing pants on, because we have the scoop on sourcing news, recruiting tech, and all the hot topics that you need to learn about. Here's your professor, Ryan Leary, with special guests Shelly Steckerl and Mike Batman-Cohen.
1: Awesome. We are back. Uh, we're going to jump right into this. I don't want to waste any time here. Um, I'm going to treat this interview exactly like I do the tech market. Uh, we have Vivek, uh, CEO at this little company maybe you've heard of called HackerRank. Um, so, hey, Vivek, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of what what, what, uh, who we're talking to.
0: Yeah, you're talking to Vivek, uh, the founder and CEO of HackerRank. I I used to be a developer at Amazon prior to this and did a lot of technical interviews myself and found that resumes didn't have a great correlation to skills, which is what got me started with this company. And we started off as a very simple idea to level the playing field for developers on the screening process by having them showcase the code that they write as opposed to what's present in a piece of paper. And that was like a huge hit. And turns out that there's literally every aspect of the lifecycle journey of a developer, from how you prepare for jobs how you get sourced, screened, interviewed, upskilled within the organization. Everything can be transformed with the notion of skill over pedigree, which has become the ethos of the company. So, so that is HackerRank. We're, we're, we're about 350 people. We're remote first. We have 3,200 paying customers who use us for hiring great developers. And we have a huge developer community. That's now 21 million developers in our community Ooh. who come to practice Challenges on our on our website, which is completely free, to make sure that they're really well prepared for the job. So, so that's HackerRank.
1: Oh man, it, um, I'm confused. It sounds like what you're saying is that software engineers are not professional resume writers. That is, oh, I can't even handle that. That's that is crazy. big news. You should, yeah. put, you should
0: put this in the trailer yeah. of the
1: podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I know uh, one of the things I was interested in talking to you about because you were a software engineer, right? Like you, you still a software engineer, but like you were working as a software engineer. This was uh, a, a little over a decade ago, right, with, with Amazon. Um, and I'm intrigued because I, I've been recruiting tech folks for, for that long as well. Thinking about the difference that exists in terms of how we approach tech candidates then versus now, uh, can you talk a little bit to that? And that, that can be about the general approach. That can be about the technology involved, the interview process. What, what's your experience and how you've seen that morph?
0: Wow. A um, lot, lot, lot of things to uncover in no, no particular order. I think the first big change that has happened over the last decade is fundamentally every industry and every company is a software company right mm. now to do. Um, your Tesla is basically a software company, which means like Ford is a software company, which means uh, uh, GM is a software company. Everybody's trying to build self-driving cars and like have apps on the phone and things in those lines. And the same thing goes with retail. The same thing goes with healthcare. hmm so the same thing goes with fintech. Fintech is so hard; it's like harder than like you know what you would consider as like a traditional comp- uh, web company, web-based company to do. So the fundamental landscape of what is a tech company used to be, Amazon's and Microsoft's and Google's of the world, and mm-hmm. today it's ev- literally every organization to go ahead and do it. So, so it it means that the demand for developers is off the charts. There's a, a so that's that's one big change um, in doing that. The second one is. The amount of free resources and, and infrastructure that has been developed over the time has enabled a lot more people to become developers without going to college and getting a four-year traditional CS degree. So the supply of developers is also completely changed. And now the, some of the best developers actually don't have a traditional resume or a traditional degree to, to go ahead and do it. They're all self-taught developers. And finally, more recently, that has happened over the last maybe two, two years or so, is remote-first work has completely leveled the playing field. You don't, now you no longer need to restrict your talent pool within the 10 to 15-mile radius that you're present. The world is your oyster. Like Go ahead and figure out how to hire people and how to get people anywhere in the world. These are big, big trends that have actually fundamentally changed the game in, in software developer hiring.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, yes, the remote first thing is definitely leveling a playing field that people are adjusting to. Uh, let me ask you, and, and this is not just because um, uh, you founded HackerRank. I'm actually intrigued. Interview process, right? Uh, I'm talking uh, mid to late 2000s. You're a yeah. software engineer. You're going to go interview for a job. And there's obviously the, you know, the, the personality. There's the tech skills and the assessment. There's the executive and the finance piece. How has that Fundamentally changed based on those three facets you just brought up.
0: Yeah, I think maybe I'll will talk about two dimensions. One is the type of uh, questions that people have people are asking, and the other one is the technology that's being used. That from the type of question, maybe late '90s Microsoft was the giant software company. It is still now; it's the two trillion dollar company. Mm-hmm. But like it was known to be like one big software company, and Bill Gates used to love solving puzzles. So a lot of the interview process used to be things like, hey, can you tell me how many golf balls fit in a 747 Mm -hmm. kind of questions to test your mental aptitude. And then soon came Google, uh, which was like a very strong competitor to Microsoft in terms of who's going to be the better software company. And of course they took on a very ambitious vision, which is I want to index the entire web. So you better write code that is super, super optimal. And so they started to ask a lot of hard algorithm and data structure type of questions to do. And Soon enough, every other company said, oh, if Google is the best software company <clears> and they're asking this, I want to like, go ahead and do this. And now what you start to see is there are lots of different types of companies that are that are also competing against Google, not in their space, but for the title of like who's the best software company sure. to, to, to have. And they all have different kinds of interview process. And today the kind of interview process that a lot of these companies do is as close to real world, that's a simulation of real-world as much as possible. So actually, they give you a real-world exercise to be able to go ahead and do it instead of trying to rely on these proxies of, can you figure out how to break down a complex problem of golf balls or can you solve algorithms and data structures? Hey, here is a code snippet or here is a real-world code. Can you go ahead and fix a bug or add a feature and things in those lines to have that? So that's been a big change in the type of questions that you ask. Hmm the next piece of it is the technology that's that's being used like i mentioned when i got recruited at amazon it's been over a decade i feel old but uh, since you were 12 when you were 12 got it Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe maybe 12 and a half yes, uh, sir. let's do it <laughs> uh, and, um, and and it's changed a lot like i got recruited i wrote code on a piece of paper and like what? you know the hiring manager actually looked at the code and said okay that's great and we're going to call for an interview and then in the interview i had to read code over a phone to do it, and the and the hiring manager would actually go ahead and like write and say this is what it is to, to do it. So from a technology perspective, a lot has changed, right? Nobody writes code on paper anymore, but and like you know, there's of course HackRank is a big piece of like trying to reinvent the whole whole sure. market. That's my plug. I'll, although I know yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know you gave all the all the inter, introductions to me, and more recently the whole notion of whiteboard has gone away. Yeah, you know, um, even even until recently, I would say like pre-COVID, like three years back or so, the way that developers used to get interviewed where you would call a developer to your office, lock them up in a conference room for four hours, have them write code on a whiteboard, which by the way, no developer writes code day-to-day on a whiteboard, and then stare at them doing doing that. It's the most S- high-pressure back. stupid situation. I to want have. to
1: touch on this just for two seconds for yeah. the, the tech recruiters who are listening who don't know this, yeah. the idea of the memorization of syntax yeah. versus the understanding, and, and I'm not I'm super technical. My understanding is if you're whiteboarding, or in your case, literally writing it on paper, yeah. the expectation is not only that you understand how to code, but that you've actually memorized all of the syntax that you would need are developers actually memorizing all of the syntax that they need on a day-to-day basis
0: i mean i think some some of them might just be muscle memory but uh, but developers rely a lot on autocomplete on other tools that are actually coming and today like not today but like a few months back github launched something called as copilot which basically it's it's a it's autocomplete on steroids it basically says like you can just say write a code that will do this and it will just like write it. It's not even autocomplete. It's taking autocomplete to a whole new level. It's wow. powered by GPD3, the the, um, uh, the new language uh, learning model that was, that was actually released. So I think, I, I, I actually don't even, you know, quote unquote, blame recruiters. Like these are hiring managers who are developers who are, who are mm. like sitting with the candidate and looking at them writing code on a whiteboard when you know that as a developer, you've never done that in your day-to-day job. So why <laughs> do you want to put candidates through it? And now with remote first. When people are not coming back to work or coming back to offices, or maybe they have come back to office three days a week kind of thing, the interview still happened remote. So when the interview still happened remote, you don't have a choice but to use a tech tool that can enable you to do a pair programming coding exercise with a candidate as opposed to ask them to write on a whiteboard. So from a technology perspective, it's gone from paper to assessments to... Shared programming solution in a, in a in, in in a setting that's more developer friendly, and from a type of question, it's gone from asking how many golf balls fit in a seven four seven to now asking real world exercise. So that's been the story arc or the trajectory that has changed over the years. I love I love that and a good a good timeline and
1: projection. Last last question uh, yeah. for you, and we talked we talked about this briefly, and you mentioned earlier that uh, all companies are kind of moving to being a tech company now, and software engineers are in higher demand than they've ever been in. And, and I think there are probably listeners now who are like, mm, I don't know, Vivek, Like I've got Twitter, and I follow Crunchbase and TechCrunch, and it actually seems like things are, are slowing down, and we may be in some, some trouble moving forward. And, and I, as, as a, a recruiter in this space... Don't believe that that's the case. But I think there's a big perception around that. Can you talk to maybe the validity or, or, or fallacy behind that statement?
0: Yeah. Uh, did, did, did you fly into Vegas? I did. Okay. So uh, I flew in too. And uh, on the way here, I was reading the biography of Wright Brothers. Okay. And it's pretty stunning to see how the airline industry has evolved in, in under 100 years since it was invented. And I know 100 years seems like a big time, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just one generation. From, from a guy who is attaching wings and trying to fly in the outskirts of North Carolina and the Kitty Hawk Island, to today, us having supersonic jets, commercial aircrafts fitted with like Netflix and Wi-Fi and any yeah. kind of functionalities that you want to imagine, it's pretty stunning. And it's not just the airline industry. If you take any industry for that matter, you would find a similar story arc, which is a tremendous amount of innovation powered by software. And in, we, we think of internally at HackerRank, or in other words, we think of it as innovation never sleeps. It's agnostic of market fluctuations because here's why. Human needs can never be satiated. You're never happy. When was the last time you, you were happy? Maybe for a moment, and then like you started thinking, oh, that person has something, I, I need something else. Dude, human needs can never be satiated. And technology is trying to continue to push boundaries on solving a particular human need, and then like you, you're upset about something else and then you keep going. So if you just think about, and if you take that concept and, uh, and marry that with the notion that every company is fundamentally a tech company, it means that every organization, innovation can never sleep, which means the moment you slow down or stop hiring developers and things in those lines to do it, you are starting to sleep. Now, I understand there are like some constraints that you need to like marry with like, what's happening in the market and stuff, But always keep this in mind. You are starting to sleep, and one day when you sleep fully, it's gone, it's dead. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't matter what your past laurels are just like over to do. So that's that's the kind of thinking that we have, um, and we call it internally as innovation never sleeps, and it doesn't matter what the market fluctuations is. Like, you got to continue to innovate, you got to push hard on your developer hiring and upskilling.
1: So, all my tech recruiters, I hope you heard that. Uh, The doom and gloom may have its parameters, but ultimately software engineering hiring should not and therefore probably will not ever really cease. Vivek, last thing I'd like to do with everybody is uh, what is one thing you want to leave the listeners with, the one thing for them to take away into their their heart, their soul, their mind, their professional being um, uh, from this, this chat?
0: When you're designing the interview experience, design to make sure that you can extract the best version of a candidate and not not an experience where you are trying to show off how good you are. I love that. Thank you, Vivek. I
1: know you're crazy busy here at HR Tech. Thank you for donating your time. It's been a pleasure having you. Uh, Have a great rest of your day.
0: Oh man, that means it's over. You've been listening to the Sourcing School Podcast
1: live at HR Tech in Vegas, sponsored by our friends at Jamming. For all other
0: HR, recruiting, and sourcing news, check out recruitingdaily.com.